0: Happy New Year, Restoration. We're so glad that you're joining with us today. Have you ever been cut deep into your soul where you've gone through suffering, where you've gone through pain, where you've gone through hardship? Today, we're gonna look into this idea of pain, suffering, and hardship and how it influences and impacts our life. And then how do we actually move on from that pain and suffering, and honestly, as we address this issue, it's not real easy for me to speak into. I'm young, I'm 35 years old, and I have not experienced that much of life, and I haven't experienced enough life where I've watched friends and family suffer and go through pain, and I haven't gone through that pain and that suffering. So today we're not going to look through my vantage point. We're going to look through the lens of the Bible and through a man named Jeremiah. Jeremiah, he was a prophet, and Jeremiah and a guy named Job are like the two guys that you don't want to have their life. They went through incredible amounts of hardship and pain. And we're going to read how Jeremiah went through this deep pain in his lament. But then, how was he restored, and how was he healed? Let me pray to start us off. And God, we just ask that you would come today, and you would show us from your scriptures that we might see your word be alive and active, and that it might shape our hearts and our minds, and that we might respond in the way that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I got to go deer hunting with Ron Johnson over Thanksgiving, and I, before you judge us, we went to go get meat. I mean, non-GMO, it's organic, gluten-free, all the good things. So we went to go get meat to feed our family. So we went to, to Oklahoma and the first night we we're deer hunting and Ron didn't get anything. And I felt bad for him because I, I brought him to Oklahoma and I, I wanted him to get a deer. And I, I'd got deer, I'd shot a lot of deer in my life. And I was like, okay, the next morning, Ron, I'm going to put you in the secret place, my place. So Ron goes to my secret place and I'm about two miles away. And And I realized Ron didn't have his cell phone and Ron doesn't know how to process a deer. So when he shoots the deer, he doesn't, he didn't really know quite what to do. So I heard him shoot and it was two miles away. And I'm like, okay, I got got all my gear up and I just started running, really trotting. At seven a m in the morning, two miles, and I got to Ron, and he had a deer, and I was out of breath and i 'm like okay i 'll help you ron and, and so i start I start processing this deer we 're trying to get the meat from the deer and I know this might be gross for some people, so I apologize on the front end. But we're, we're trying to get this meat for this deer. And all of a sudden, I'm like trying to cut, cut the deer. And Ron's like, oh, use my knife. It's super sharp. My friend Ferris gave it to me for my wedding. He goes, but be careful, it's really sharp. So I'm going and I'm tired. And all of a sudden, my hand slips as I'm cutting. And I cut a huge gash across this finger right here. And I look down, I'm like, oh no. And I use some, my coat and I'm like holding it. And We're out in the field. I mean, we have no Band-Aids or anything. And, and I, I look at Ron and I'm like, hey, I, I think I, I cut my finger. And he's like, give me the knife, I'll, tell me what to do. And I'm like, you know, at that moment, I was like, this is my pastor. Like, surely he'll like pray for me. Surely, you know, maybe he'll be like Jesus and like put his hand on my cut and it'll be healed. You know what Ron does? He looks at me, he goes, well, you shouldn't have cut yourself. You don't cut at yourself, Jason. I mean, you rebuked me for having a cut. I'm like, come on. And I, I felt like it was like a Jeff Foxworthy, like you might be a redneck. You might be a redneck if your pastor won't pray for you because you cut your finger because he's worried that the deer meat might spoil. I think we're all rednecks, me and Ron a little bit. So I'm, I'm there and I'm like trying to find something and I go and I, I get some paper towels and I hold it. And I bandage it up for, for about an hour and then I, we get back home, I clean it up and I open it up and I look and I'm like, wow, that cut is really deep. It was so deep. And see, when you cut yourself deep, you need more than a Band-Aid. When you cut yourself deep, you need more than a Band-Aid. Most of us, I would say, have been cut pretty deep this year, this last year of 2020. We're hurting, we're broken retired, worn out, some of us just might be done with life. Have you found yourself asking, okay, it's 2021, it's gotta be better than last year. It's gonna get better. It's, it, I'm ready for life to go back to normal. And as you evaluate 2021, you're like, please be better than next year. But here's the hard truth. We don't know if it's gonna be better. We don't know if it's going to be better. And it'd be easy to get up here and give a, a what I would call a Band-Aid message, which is gonna be like, life in 2021 is going to be your best life now. It's going to be better than you've ever expected. You're going to have a great life. God is going to do so many great things in your life, but I can't tell you that. We don't know. See, pain, hardship, deep cuts in our lives that wound us deeply are very complex. Suffering is very complex. And today I want us to look at the complexity of it and how Jeremiah has deep cuts in his life, maybe like some that you've experienced over 2020. So we're going to look in the book called Lamentations, and it's basically Jeremiah's lament. lament. He, he's called the weeping prophet. And so as we look at Jeremiah, we, we actually see his life when he, before he was born, actually God chose him to be a prophet. God chose Jeremiah. He was, he was chosen by God. He actually grew up in a family uh, that was serving God. And Jeremiah was alive when the lost book of the law was discovered and God's word was rediscovered for all the Israelites. And so Jeremiah is coming into the world with a lot going for him, yet his life gets incredibly difficult and hard. And I want to walk you through six pains that Jeremiah had to deal with through his life, through Lamentations 3. We're going to look at it, and we're going to look at how he had it in his life. And I just want you to think and ask yourself, do any of these pains of life resonate with you today? Have you felt this pain? Can you, can you go, I get you, Jeremiah. I understand how you felt. So the first pain that Jeremiah felt was the pain of physical health the pain of physical health. In Lamentations 3, 4, he says this, he says, he has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. See, Jeremiah lived with incredible amounts of physical pain. He was beaten severely. In Jeremiah 20, 1 and 2, we see that he was beaten over and over and then he was putting on wooden stocks. And so he had pain in his life. He he had suffered so much physical pain that he could feel it in his bones, have you felt physical pain? Have you experienced physical, agonizing pain in your body? Or have you watched your friends around you experience physical pain? Also during Jeremiah's time, Jerusalem was, was captured, and he watched thousands of his countrymen and women die, blood in the streets. He saw physical pain and suffering everywhere. This last year, have you experienced some sort of pain physically? And you could relate to Jeremiah? Second pain that we see of Jeremiah is the pain of emotional strain. So we go to Lamentations 3, 4. Now in verse 5, we hear this. He says, he has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. Jeremiah was saying, I- I'm surrounded with bitterness and hardship of people. He had a really difficult time with the close people around him, with his friends. They actually, some of his closest friends, they spied on him. They were deceitful towards him, and they took revenge on Jeremiah. Have you ever been hurt by a close friend? By a family member? You've been cheated on? Have you been left behind? Have you gone... I don't know who to turn to. I thought they were my friends. And you know, I, I could give you Proverbs 17:7. 7. Proverbs 17.7 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. But what happens when your friend doesn't love you anymore? Or what happens when your brother, your sister, your family member, when adversity does come and hardship does come, which it will come, they leave you and you go, Maybe they weren't my friend. No, they aren't my friend. And they weren't my brother. They weren't my sister. Have you experienced a close emotional strain of a relationship I have? And the people that are closest to you and when you have that kind of hardship with people and that kind of suffering, it cuts super deep. Deeper than a pain of someone giving you a hard time that you don't really know. But when it's a close friend and they're not there for you, it cuts deep. The third pain that Jeremiah experiences just the pain of periods of dark depression. So it says this in verse six, he's made me dwell down, dwell in darkness like those long dead. I'm dwelling in darkness. I feel like there's dark all around me. I feel like my life is dead. I feel like I'm dead. I don't feel like I have anywhere to go through. And then in verse 17, it says, I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. Life is so hard and I'm so depressed with who I am. See. Jeremiah, he, he was never married. And we see throughout Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations, he was incredibly lonely. It was agonizing to him. He struggled with loneliness. He felt like death a lot of times. Has there been a time in your life where you felt just dark? Where you feel depressed? Can you feel Jeremiah's pain? We'll go on to... His next pain. And as we go, I'm kind of Enneagram seven. I'm like the happy-go-lucky guy. So it's kind of a hard message for me because I can feel the pain. The fourth pain that Jeremiah felt is the pain of desperation and the burden of being trapped. The burden of being trapped. In Lamentations 3, 7, it says, he's walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Like, Jeremiah felt like he couldn't get away. See, Jerusalem was being attacked. It was under siege and, and he couldn't get out. He was legitimately walled in. And as he saw his countrymen and women, they, they started to starve to death and actually cannibalization started happening. And he looked around and he's like, I'm stuck here. And for his life, he just felt stuck. He's like burdened that he could not get away. Have you felt like you're just going through the motions and you can't escape the life that you have or the problems that you have? And it's just so heavy on you. I know for all of us, we felt a little bit like this in our quarantine season. I felt stuck. I'm like, get me out of here. Like, get me out of my house. I need to get out of here. I would like, to be honest with you, my kids would yell my name and I would stay in another room and go, God, please don't let them know I'm in here. Honestly, we've all felt trapped in some times of life. Fifth, the pain of being distant from God. Lamentations 3.8 says this, even when I called out or cried for help, he shut out my prayers. This is how, how Jeremiah felt. I cried out for help. I weeped for help. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, yet God just felt so distant. You know, Jeremiah spent 40 years doing ministry to people and he saw no visible results of change. He saw no conversions. He cried out to God, and it felt like God did not answer. Has God felt distant this year, maybe last year, the year before? Has he not answered your prayers? Have you felt like, I've done my best, I've done my best, I did my best, yet he didn't answer? You can experience Jeremiah's pain. The last pain that we're going to talk about is the pain of affliction and aimlessness. The pain of affliction and aimlessness. In Lamentations 3.19, it says this. It says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. See, Jeremiah, he, 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 his life was ending and it was, he was being falsely accused of being a traitor to his own country and then he was exiled to Egypt and then eventually he was stoned to death by his own countrymen. See, Jeremiah felt like he had no aim and there was this affliction in his life. Have you ever felt, maybe like, you, you don't know where you're going, you just feel like life is a little aimless. It's like the hamster on the wheel just keeps going in the same direction, spinning, spinning, spinning. And You're going, what, what is this all about? And in Lamentations 3.20, this is what Jeremiah kind of, he, he ties a bow on, on how his pain has made him feel. And this is what he says. He goes, I will remember them. I will remember these deep cuts of my life. I will remember them. And my soul is downcast within me. The pain was so deep that it was to the deepest part of him, to his soul. 2020 for most people is a downcast year. It was a downcast year. Our soul felt like it was sliding. It felt like we were bleeding out and Jeremiah gets it. He sees it, he knows it. And we know that pain and suffering, I I, I can't explain it all to you. Why did it happen? Why why did this person get COVID? Or why did this happen to my family? Or why did this breakup happen to me? Pain and suffering is so complex. I'm not going to try to explain. I'm going to allow Jeremiah through his experience to explain it to you. But I'm kind of, I'm from Oklahoma, like I said, and I kind of like things simple when it comes to pain. I don't really want to deal with it a lot of times. So uh, I kind of like country music. It makes everything really simple. It's like the great proverb of country music. It, it goes, uh, beer is good. God is great and people are crazy. That, I mean, that's kind of could be a life motto. It's like, oh, you know, God's good, beer's great. People are crazy. But really suffering, that's a trite example, is so complex. And typically in our Christian culture and, and if you go to church, like if you're going through one of these deep downcast parts of your soul and you have this huge cut in your life, a lot of times we say, hey, it's, God is good all the time you're going to be okay. He'll never give you more than you can handle. And when we get those things, we sometimes feel like I agree with those statements, but they almost feel like a Band-Aid. They don't do much healing for me. It's like I'm just covering up the pain and I'm just putting it over it. And this is even what Jeremiah felt in Jeremiah six fourteen. It says this is that people were minimizing his pain. And he goes, they dress the wound of my people. They dress the cut of my people as though it were not serious. They say peace, peace, when there is no peace. See, there was a wound that needed healing. Band-aids don't work for deep cuts. You got to go get healing. Like if if I had not gone to the doctor with my deep cut. It would have, I could have kept a Band-Aid on for a while, but it would have never healed. It would have actually got infected. It could, it could have done some major damage to my life. We need actual healing in our lives. Yet at times, instead of going to the healing we actually need for the pain and suffering in our lives, we put a Band-Aid on it, And we go to temporary measures to make the pain go away. Have you been cut this year? And did you put a Band-Aid as a temporary fix on that pain? Or have you allowed God to heal your pain? Here's Jeremiah's transition. So he tells us all his struggle. He tells us the lament. He tells us what is happening in his life And then he goes on to verse 21 and it says, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. So what is going to give Jeremiah hope in his lament? What is going to bring him hope? And I want to show you five ways, five ways that he was actually healed from the deep wounds of his life. And so we're going to walk through the five ways that Jeremiah was healed. And the first way that he was healed, he was healed by God's unfailing love. And so we see his lament for the first 21 verses. Then we see in verse 22, one of my favorite passages of scripture, it says this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion, some versions say, his mercies never fail. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. See, Jeremiah was not a perfect man. He did not do everything correctly. He did not make the right decisions all the time. He was sinful, just like you and I. Yet, Have you ever done things and you just feel some guilt and shame? See, our sin can do that to us. It can consume us. But God's unfailing love, that he loves us no matter, that that our sin is as far as the east is to the west from him, that we can have a relationship with him and that he ultimately loves us. His unfailing love, that he loves you no matter what you do. As Jeremiah thinks through that, he's not consumed and the pain starts to heal because God's love heals them. It's a, it's a covenant love. It's not a conditional love. Covenant means you're, it's a promise that is, he's going to stick with you. God is going to stick with you. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're under the blood of Jesus, meaning he's going to stick with you. He doesn't give up with, on you. You're his person. You're his child, and he never fails. He's always there. Even when we fail, he Is faithful, he is perfect. We might get struck down, but we're not destroyed because his mercies, his compassions never fail. Second way that we see Jeremiah healed is by healing by fresh hope. Healing by fresh hope. Hey, that makes you think of somebody. Does it make you think of somebody? Brady right I think of Brady right every time I think of hope and I love Brady God is doing awesome things Brady if you don't know Brady he's one of our church planters he's a great friend and an unbelievable faith filled person and he brings hope wherever he goes it's why his church plant is called Fresh Hope if 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 you have if you heard we're our year end offering we're actually we gave money to Brady so that we could see Fresh Hope Church succeed this year. But, but here's how Jeremiah is healed by fresh hope. In, in Lamentations 3, 23, remember it says, his mercies or compassions never fail. What? They are new. They are new. Every morning, great is your faithfulness. Hey, have you ever experienced life just getting monotonous? And just kind of getting like the same old, same old where, you know, you just kind of chase after the same thing. You do the same thing. You go to work. You come home. You go to work. You go home. You get on a Zoom call. You get off a Zoom call. And it just feels kind of boring every single day. I think we all experience that. Yet, God says, his compassions, his mercies, they are new every morning. Have you ever just thought to yourself, why do we need sleep why, why are the, we these beings that need like a fresh start every single day? And why does the sun set and sunrise? I believe that God programmed us and programmed the earth to make us where we had to stop a day and start a day because every day is new. Yesterday may have been terrible, but you have today. You have a new day. And the way that we get fresh mercies from God every single day is if we go to his word and to him in prayer. See, I've never once regretted waking up in the morning, even if I did something terrible I hated the day before. If I wake up in the morning and I just open God's word and I start reading it, it's new. It's unlike any book I've ever experienced, honestly. Most books, like you read and you're like, okay, I'm I'm good, I'm not gonna read that again. But I could read this passage of scripture over and over and you know what it does? As I learn something new about it, it opens my eyes because it's not man's words, it's God's words. And as I, I dive into the scriptures, there is a new freshness that comes. See, you can get healed by fresh hope every single morning. We have a newness of faith that comes with Jesus and Jesus alone. Think of the verse that weeping might last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The third way that we see healing come through is healing through God's strength. The next verse, Lamentations 3, 24 says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. See, the priests, the Levites, they did not have a land portion that they got given in the 12 tribes. They, they said that Yahweh was their portion. See, that word portion, it means inheritance. we see that God is our inheritance, that he is our portion, that he is enough. That we were supposed to go, you know what? I can have all these different things in the world, but God is my portion. And I can have healing when I realize that it's through God and not through me. See, we, we live in a world where, where we wanna do it on our own. We wanna pull ourselves up from our bootstraps. We wanna fix our pain. At least that's who I am. And I have this, I can, not God can mentality. See, God is our portion. God is the thing that can heal us. The problem with pain, the problem with suffering, the problem is when you've been cut really deep is sometimes the healing process is more painful than the actual cut itself. When I got those stitches on my finger, the cut didn't hurt that bad. It just kind of freaked me out. When I went to the hospital, if you've ever got stitches and they put that needle in, in your wound and then they numb it, that makes you cry. You're like, oh. See, the healing process can sometimes hurt even deeper than a cut can. So you can't control your healing. You can't do it on your own. I have a friend right now who's in, doing PT from a, a total knee replacement. And she was telling me how painful, how, how much she was struggling with it. And as she talked about it, it it's just, I was like, man, that pain, it it just takes the, the surgery itself and all her rehab, it's taking more hurt to do that than the actual pain itself. How do we get through that? The Lord has to be our portion. He's our inheritance. He's what we find our identity, our hope, and our joy in alone. Number four, there's healing in waiting. Healing comes in waiting. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. No big pain is healed overnight. No big pain is healed overnight. There there must be waiting that happens. It takes time. Big cuts take time to heal. And I was telling you about that friend that's going through PT, uh, she was telling me, like, that it that it's just like there's nothing she can do other than a little few movements, and it's just gonna take some months to get that knee where it needs to be, and, and it's so frustrating because it's like I want to hurry this process. When when I'm sick or hurt or anything, I always hurry the process. Like I get antibiotics, so like take it for 10 days. On day seven, I'm like, have I taken? I don't think I've taken it for two days. I just hurry the process. I, I do not like to wait. I do not like to wait. But in the waiting, we're t- we typically slow down, we're renewed, we're restored, and our character is developed. See, in this waiting process of deep pain that is healed, we have to slow down and we have to wait for God to do something. And in that waiting, he typically starts restoring. He starts renewing. He's, he starts doing his work that only he can do, but it takes time. I told you I was at Enneagram seven. We hate emotional pain. I like, I try to make joke When I have somebody cry, I try to make a joke to like divert because I don't like dealing with emotional pain and I, I run from negativity. And so I wanna run from it. A few years ago, my parents got divorced and I wanted to run from the emotional pain that that took on me. And a pastor told me, he looked at me in the eye and he goes, don't run from the pain, wait in the pain. Don't run from the pain, Jason, wait in the pain. God would use that pain more than I ever thought for me to move on, for me to be restored, developed. And what's interesting about just waiting and waiting for that pain and waiting for the healing to be restored is the longer you wait and the further you are away from that pain and suffering, you start looking back to your pain, your suffering, the hardship, and you go, I'm actually thankful. Look what it did for me, to me, and in me. And so many times when I've experienced major pain and suffering in my life, I look back and I go, huh, I would have never believed that was actually good for me, and I needed that, and it was so amazing in my life. There's healing in the waiting. And lastly, there's healing in salvation there's healing and salvation. Limitations 3, 26. It says, it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. When we're cut deep, we have to look back and go, I need saved. Really, I need salvation. I need to be restored. I need to be renewed. I need God in my life. I need him. And and we see this in the man that is Jesus. And I love 1 Peter 2, 24, where our salvation comes from as it comes through Jesus. And it says this about him. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. Jesus took your sin and my sin and he put it on the cross with him. And he was perfect. He lived a perfect life. And the way that he could give us salvation was not that we live a perfect life. No, he lived a perfect life. And that he exchanged his righteousness for our imperfection. So he bore our sins on that cross so that we might die to sin. We might no longer have to live for sin. We know we're saved from our sin and we might live for his righteousness because his righteousness now lives inside of us. And this is such an amazing passage of scripture. Listen to this and let it just wash over your, your pain, your suffering. By Jesus's wounds, you have been healed. We're all cut deep. And you know what Jesus did? he goes, I'm going to get wounded for you. So when he goes to the cross and he gets those lashes across his back and he's bleeding out and he gets his arms put up on the cross and he puts his legs and they hit it and he's suffocating by his wounds, you are healed. See, salvation is, we need something to be, we, we need him to save us. See, if, if we didn't have something for him to save us from, then we wouldn't need salvation. Pain and suffering shows us that we need salvation. We need to be saved from something and that something is our sin and the sin of this world. And Jesus's wounds, it covers us. By his wounds, our wounds are healed. If you're someone here today that's just thinking about pursuing a relationship with Jesus, you go, man, that's amazing that Jesus would do that. You have to have a relationship with him. and this relationship, what it does when you have this relationship is your life is given to him and he changes your life. It's, It's an amazing thing, but it's a decision that has to be made. You have to go, I wanna make that decision to trust Jesus. And if that's you today, all it takes is just a prayer that says, God, I wanna trust in your son and I wanna accept him. And you can just say, amen, I'm in," And it's like that, and he makes that decision. So we get healed in salvation. God wants to heal you of your pain. He wants to heal you of the cuts. He wants to heal you of your hardship, but it's gonna take a deep work of healing through those five principles. I just wanna share with you, I, This is related in this passage. It's the very next verse. And I just wanted to share it with you really quick. I'm going to talk to all generations of people right now. So uh, I'm going to talk to millennials and Gen Zs. I've been working with millennials and Gen Zs for 15 years. I am a millennial and we get a bad rap. Everyone's like, ah, the millennials, you know, participation trophies, like they don't work. Hey, who gave us the participation trophies? Yeah, our parents did. So boomers, Xers, like, Just lay off of us, okay? We're all in this together. I'll give you the hard time. That was your hard time. Now I'm gonna give some medicine for millennials and Gen Zers right now. Listen to this verse about suffering. The very next verse in 27, it says, it is good for a man or woman to bear the yoke while he or she is young. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. What this is saying is it is good to suffer while you're young. So my culture, my generation and the generation below me, we run from suffering. We don't want any pain in our life. If there's a job that's too hard, eh, I'm not gonna do it or I don't know how to do it. I'm not gonna go do it. I'm not gonna put myself out there. No, it is good to experience this when you're young. Why is it good? Because you learn how to deal with suffering and then it allows as you get older to know how how to have wisdom and to take steps. And so I would encourage you, if you're young like me or younger than I am, So look for opportunities, not to suffer stupidly, but to put yourself in places where you can learn, where you can be developed, where you can be pushed, where you can get a good, hard work ethic. I'm so grateful that my family forced me to work when I was young and pushed me to do manual labor. It was so good for me. Bear that yoke while you're young and you will reap a reward when you are older. I'm gonna close with this. In Lamentations 340, this is kind of the end of the lament. This is the application that Jeremiah gives to the people. After he laments about his life and how he is healed, this is what he tells his people. And I believe this is what he is telling us for 2021. It says this, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord to the Lord. 2021, it's January. Examine what 2020 was like. Examine your ways. Test them. What, what was good? What was bad? What, what, what was the pain that you had last year? What was the pain that you experienced? And maybe what are the ways that God needs to heal you? What are those five ways that maybe you need to lean into this year where you go, I need healed in that way? And how can you return to God this year in 2021? How can you return to him and give this year to him where he can make your wounds healed? Band-aids don't fix deep cuts, but God wants to heal us. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word, that your word is alive and active and that we can learn from it. We can know it. We can know you. God, thank you that we don't have to deal with the pain, suffering, and the deep cuts of our lives without your wisdom, that, that you have given us an example through Jeremiah and, and his life and the hardships of his life and then how his response to you was and your character, that you're unfailing that great is your faithfulness, that, it's your, that you are our portion, God, and that we will wait for you and that you will be our salvation. God, I pray for all the people here that are listening to this message that you would heal their hurts and their pains. Sometimes it's gonna, it's gonna hurt, the healing's gonna hurt more than the pain itself, but God, I pray that they would see that you're restoring them, you're renewing them, And that as time goes on, they'll look back and they'll be thankful that you saved them. Lord, we give our our hurts and our pains to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Restoration, we're grateful that you are part of what God is doing throughout the world and throughout our city. And there's so much pain, there's so much suffering in our city. We see it through the homelessness, through all the different hardships that exist in our city and the world and we just wanna tell you thank you for being a part of this church. And thank you for your generosity of giving. We're able to impact our city to the homeless, to the traffic, to the under-resourced, to lots of different people. And we're seeing simple churches throughout the entire city starting. So we just wanna say thank you. And if you wanna to give to the mission, to the vision of restoration, you can go to our app or website and give now. We're gonna move into a time of worship. I love you guys.